We all have bucket lists. As a lifelong sports fan, mine is full of tons of different sporting events and venues, from the NBA, NFL, Olympics, and beyond. However, my greatest bucket list item is something I want to share with the world and fans like me. What if you could attend a home college football game for all 130 and counting FBS programs? Seems crazy, right? Join me, your host, Bobby Wilson, as I take you along for the ride to see all the FBS venues and more. This is the TNT College Football Podcast. Hello, everyone. Bobby Wilson here from the TNT College Football Podcast. Glad to be back on with you all tonight. I hope everybody's doing well. If you're listening to this uh, installment, it is uh, my next uh, breakdown in my continuation of uh, breaking down all 133 FBS teams in college football. Um, this uh, segment will be on the Tulane Green Wave, who last year obviously had an his- a historic season, uh, twelve and two and seven and one in the AAC, uh, and obviously concluded with a win in the Cotton Bowl against the USC Trojans. So unbelievable uh, season for Tulane, as especially in twenty twenty one where they only had two wins, so a ten win turnaround. Uh, one of the best in college football history. Um, so just a fantastic job uh, by head coach uh, Willie Fritz and company. Uh, just a, like I said, just a tremendous job by this football program. Um, diving into Temple here, I'm going to look at their stadium. They play at Yeoman Stadium, which is 30,000. Uh, one of the newer stadiums, one of the new on-campus stadiums, I should say, in college football, opened up in 2014 where uh, they played – uh, Georgia Tech in that opener, um, but this uh, this venue is it, it, it looks fantastic. It's a beautiful venue, um, and it was rocking last year. I, I remember watching their uh, conference championship game, the AAC title game, and just thinking, "Wow, that is a!" I wish I was there. That place was rocking. The student section was amazing. Um, I, I love uh, a quote-unquote smaller stadium like this it's perfect because when you fill that thing the way that they can fill it right now it 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 sounds like there's a hundred thousand people in there so props to Tulane for what they've been able to do there and uh, and I just have to add that Tulane has some of the best jersey and uniform combinations in college football that, that they're just a beautiful combination that they do with different things there uh, another uh, aspect that I'm adding to this year uh, is a coach on the rise for each program. And uh, for Tulane, I'm going with uh, Slade Nagel. Uh, he's the assistant head coach, offensive coordinator, and quarterbacks coach. Um, obviously, his return this year um, helps a ton. Let's just let's just say that. I mean, he he uh, did some, did some amazing things with this program. Or with this offense, uh, turning it around the way that they did, um, nothing short of amazing. I mean, he's a, he's a local guy from Lake Charles, Louisiana, and he's coached for, for quite some time now, but he's had different roles, um, coaching different position groups and, and whatnot through, through his time coaching. Uh, but it, it, it's, it's, recently with the with the rise of what they've been able to do here uh, especially last year he should get a ton of credit for this and and I think one of the big pieces 
for this year is that quarterback Michael Pratt will now have a coordinator for back-to-back years since since he was early in high school. Um, so having that cohesion with his offensive coordinator like Nagel and with the ability that he has, I, I, he's going to be a head coach before we know it. So that's why he's included on the Coaches on the Rise segment here. Just because it, before long, he will he will get the job. He will get a head job, I should say. Uh, looking at the position-by-position position breakdown, starting offensively, of course, you got to start with quarterback Michael Pratt. He's the face of the Tulane program this year, and for good reason. Uh, last year, he threw for 3,009 yards, 27 touchdowns, and only five interceptions. And he missed action in, in a couple games. Um, so um, those numbers could have been even higher, um, but an impressive uh, display, only throwing five interceptions. And, and I think one of the biggest reasons for his jump last year personally was his completion percentage rose from 57.6% to 63.6%, which, like I said, was, was a huge boost, not only for himself, but for this entire offense. And, uh, of course... Uh, expecting huge things from him. I, I I know he was bombarded with NIL opportunities to enter the transfer portal and go to many different places uh, this offseason, and I applaud him for staying at Tulane to do something special. Then you look at the running back room. They lose the AAC's Offensive Player of the Year in Tajay Spears. Um, so they will probably have more of a running back by committee approach this year. Shady Clayton Johnson and Iverson Celestine uh, have experience. And then Liberty transfer Shedra Lewis will also see time. Uh, it, it can't be understated how much uh, Tajay Spears did for this offense and for the program last year. Um, that are, there's a reason why he was a third-round pick. Should have gone higher even, honestly. But he was an, just an unbelievable football player. Had an unbelievable season. Honestly, should have been considered in the Heisman Trophy uh, voting uh, just because he played for a, a quote-unquote G5 and he was a running back. That That's to be, to be debated, obviously, in a, in a, on a different conversation, but should have been included. But there, there's experience, uh, experienced players that have been there, and then a transfer who can come in and really see some time and do some things. Uh, you look at the receiving core now, they lose some talented players and, and, and will be a bit less experienced. Uh, but there's talent there, though. Uh, Lawrence Keyes and uh, Jaquan Jackson and tight end Alex Bowman um, had huge years last year. Jaquan Jackson was a all-conference player, and Keyes really stepped up coming in from Notre Dame. And, of course, Bowman had a huge play in the, in the Cotton Bowl. Um, watch out for redshirt freshman Chris Brazel the at the second and uh, transfers Yul Keith Brown from Texas A&M and Dante Fleming from Louisiana all at the wide receiver position. Like I said, they lose some experience, but the, there's talented guys back and some new and in, in new influx of some players as well. Looking at the offensive line, this should be the best offensive line Tulane has had in the Willie Fritz era. Uh, four starters return and left guard Prince Pines, center Sincere Hainsworth, who's going to play in the NFL, uh, right guard uh, Josh R Rimich, and right tackle Rashad Green, 
and then the addition of Cameron Wire from LSU is going to fill the left tackle spot. So their starting five is going to be really, really good. There, there actually is going to be some really, really good offensive lines in the AAC, and Tulane is going to be one of them. Uh, moving to defense now, the defensive line returns their top five tacklers and will be improved. Uh, defensive ends, Darius Hodges, uh, Keith Cooper, Angelo Anderson, and Davion Deal are all stout. Um, Hodges came on really well at the end of last season, um, and he was the TFL leader in the conference in 2021, so he has really good uh, instincts getting in the backfield. Then defensive tackles Patrick Jenkins and Adonis Freelux, uh, who was injured last year, all of last year, are back and are big-time playmakers. Freelux was actually expected to be the best uh, defensive lineman on the team last year before he was injured. So you lose a guy for a whole season, comes back, and now uh, can really boost this defensive line when they were already returning a ton of guys. Um, now moving to the linebacker position, Tulane loses some uh, stars at the linebacker position. Dorian Williams and Nick Anderson will be hard to replace um, as they've both been all-conference players for uh, for a little while. Uh, Corey Platt and Jesus Machado have plenty of experience to step up. They've stepped up for both Williams and Anderson when they've missed games, so these are two guys that have plenty of experience. And the addition of Tyler Grubbs from Louisiana Tech is huge. Um, he was a really, really good player for them. He had 242 tackles in his three seasons in Ruston, Louisiana. Uh, just a fantastic linebacker. Has amazing instincts and always is around the football. I mean, 242 tackles in three years, that's a heck of a job right there. Um, then now looking at the secondary, last season the secondary made a huge jump, but they lose a lot from this unit. Uh, the portal was used to help uh, fill holes and to build depth back up. Uh, cornerbacks Lance Robinson and Jarius Monroe have plenty of experience, especially Robinson. Um, the additions of uh, safeties Cameron, uh, I'm, I know I'm going to butcher this because I can't speak <laughs> the, uh, the, the uh, dialect of the South, but uh, Cameron Pedulex from Louisiana. Andre Sam from Marshall and Darius Swanson, a D2 transfer from Nebraska Kearney, had an amazing career there. And then at the cornerback position, Tahir Anor from Wofford and A.J. Hampton from Northwestern are big. A.J. Hampton could step right in right away and, and, and fill a spot. Um, he could even play like a rover-type uh, linebacker, hybrid-type guy. So they, they did a really, really good job adding some pieces in the portal. Um, so there, there's a couple of the safeties, especially all three of the transfer safeties ha had pretty darn good careers where they were. So really good additions there. And then, like I said, Hampton from Northwestern could really do some things looking at special teams, both kicker Valentino Ambrizio and uh, punter Casey Glover return. This unit has a new coordinator, but will be improved with experience. Then also Jaquan Jackson is an absolute freak. Uh, returning punts. He had a 90-yard TD last year, returned for a touchdown. And then he had two more return touchdowns that were called back by penalties. So uh, you better know when you're kicking to him <laughs> because he can take it to the house any chance he gets. And he's also, uh, like I said before, a fantastic wide receiver, first-team all-conference last year. 
And my final analysis is my opinion. The fact that Michael Pratt and and Willie Fritz return gives the Green Wave a shot at the AAC title in 2023. Um, Like I said, Pratt had tons of opportunity with NIL. And you already know Willie Fritz had opportunities as well to leave with the fantastic season they had. And I give them both a ton of credit for coming back. Uh, They lose a lot of talent and have a target on their back now. Uh, Like I said, a 10-win turnaround. Now they're going to be the hunted instead of the hunter. But the Green Wave have all the tools to repeat. I mean, they're extremely well coached. They have an excellent quarterback. They're going to have a really good offensive line. And skill players where they need it. Of course, they need some guys to step up. But uh, there's there's some really talented guys on this roster. And it wouldn't shock me one bit if they were the G5, G5 representative once again um, in the uh, in the New Year's Six. I forgot to run down their schedule. Looking at their 2023 schedule, um, I applaud them for their non-conference schedule. They open up against South Alabama. Then they get Ole Miss coming to Tulane. And then they go to Southern Miss, which is a grudge match from last year. That's one of their losses. And then they have Nichols uh, as their non-conference. South Alabama, Ole Miss, and at Southern Miss are already set up for the ESPN network, so a huge opportunity for them to be on national television. Like South Alabama has an opportunity to win the Sun Belt, so that's a really good matchup. Ole Miss, I mean, you got an SEC team coming to your house. I mean, I give Lane Kiffin and company a ton of credit for coming to Tulane. And like I said, that Southern Miss game, that's going to mean a lot because that was one of Tulane's two losses last year. Um, And Southern Miss is a darn good football team, and they're hard to play at home. Then you look at their conference schedule. Uh, They got UAB at Memphis on a a Friday night. Then they got North Texas at Rice at ECU, Tulsa at FAU, and UTSA. Of course, all eyes will be on that UTSA game as they are – as Tulane and UTSA are probably the two favorites. But I also look at the uh, at Memphis game. Memphis is going to be very talented. Going to East Carolina is never easy. And FAU is going to be in a very improved football team this year, and they got to go there. So some interesting road games in conference play for the Green Wave. But again, when you have the stud quarterback and a very good coach, you got a chance in every game. So. Thank you guys for tuning into this. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Please like and subscribe wherever you're listening to the podcast. And please follow the podcast Twitter account at TNT College Foot One. Have a good night. God bless.